The Coronas. Hello. Hey, Dave. Hello. Hello. True Love Waits. We've waited for a new record, and now we have one. And congratulations on a superb body of work. Cheers. Thank, Thank you very, you very much. much. Um, I'm a big fan, obviously, so you know you might have to temper some of my compliments. But, <laughs> um, but this is as complete and rounded a record as I've heard from you guys in a long time. Like, Thanks very much. Yeah, we're, we're really proud of it, you know, and obviously in the current climate of all, everything happening, we're delighted to get it out because, mm. you know, initially we weren't sure when it was going to come out. We had it finished really from the end of last year when we finished yeah. it and, and then, it, then with all the mixing and mastering, it was all signed off on probably by the start of February and we planned to release it at the end of May and so excited about it, you know, as we were saying, you know, it is a sort of new chapter for us, you know, there's only three of us sitting here now, and uh, so it had been a whole start of a new thing, and we had so much plans this year with the, you know, touring, and yeah. then this unfortunately named pandemic hit, and so things have been upside down, but it's great to just be, to have it out, and now, and to release it into the world, because we are really proud of it. Was it a different process, obviously, you know, Dave announced to all of us that he was leaving the band, but you guys were writing this record knowing that Dave wasn't going to be heard. I know he's, he's, he is part of some of the record. He's, he's yeah. playing guitar on some of the tracks, but what was it like in the studio effectively when you were there mostly as a trio in the, in the writing part and the recording part, those decision-making things? Was that a really different dynamic? It was great. Uh, <laughs> and that's not anything against Dave, no. but it was different, but... I think it was something that was good for us. It gave us yes, a new... Six albums deep, I think uh, we needed a bit of a mix-up. And uh, I think with this album, we opened up the doors to a lot of our friends, a lot of other musicians, which was great. It tr- pu- uh, pushed us forward and it was just see- great seeing other people, how people work. And it really... Yeah, and do you think that like doing that and opening those doors meant that uh, while the universe is still the Corona's universe, like there's nothing on this record that doesn't sound like the Corona's, but at the same time, you can definitely hear, and we'll go through some of the track, but you can definitely hear things that wouldn't seem, you know, 100% natural to you guys, but really elevate what you normally do. Definitely, yeah. And I think that, that even started from the songwriting process itself. Like, and, and, you know, we knew when Dave said to us that he, he wasn't enjoying it and he wanted to take a break and, and do other things, in a way, when we decided to move forward with the album and a bunch of songs, it actually it took a bit of pressure off in a way yeah. because we knew it was going to sound different without him. So we could sort of just follow our instincts a bit and just try and do what was best for the song, get back into the studio in London where we would, we had worked with George before. We knew he his vision of the songs was incredibly like bang on to what we were thinking. When we sent him the whole batch of demos initially, George sent us an email back and I remember sending it on to the lads and all of us were just like, that's weird. Because he was so bang on with, I hear this song sounding like this. I think this song is going to be a bit like this and a bit like this. And we'll just change that a little bit there. And everything in the email was like exactly what we had been thinking, which was so strange. But yeah, Dave Levin just definitely gave us that just change. And, and as I said, we knew it was going to be different. So it took the pressure off that we could. And we had already recorded a good bit of the album with him as well. Like it was, I think it was three sessions we did in total, was it? Recorded? Yeah. And we had, we had, yeah. Two sessions, he was actually there for that. So, mm. so it's only the big chunk at the end that he wasn't really there for. Yeah, but it, but it, but it is, of course, like it's it is a new chapter, and this is the signal from from a from a fan's point of view. This is the signal of of the new chapter. So, it doesn't surprise me that 
the album surprised me. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that there's stuff on it, as I said, that you kind of go, oh, wh- oh, wow. Like, you know, and it's not, it's not, a, it's not some kind of massive departure. You're not doing a trip hop album or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, but there's just things about it that, that just come up and kind of slap you in the face. And you're like, okay, so this is, this is Corona's 2.0. Yeah, you know, definitely. Well, I think just naturally over time we've we try to evolve. Like we didn't really t- sit down and talk about it too much, and but I think subconsciously, you know, there's a whole new wave of Irish acts breaking through now. Young, amazing bands that we love, like the likes of Academic, Picture This, you know, Gavin James, Dermot Kennedy, that are killing it and getting loads of play and and are deadly. And we just, I think, again, it, it wasn't something we talked about, but I think we just saw ourselves maybe just a little bit left the center of those and a little bit maybe less commercial as we've got whereas when we started we were the ones who were coming through yeah. with the massive radio play you know songs about drinking all day and sleeping all night and you know it was it was songs for students and, and young people and we were that almost in that bracket and now and that's again it's not something we've talked about it's just sort of a natural evolving and I think our followers have gone with us with that as well and, and and they've given us the license to try things and i remember sitting down even first song one of the first songs we wrote in this was find the water and i remember working on the verse i had the chorus that i brought to john bro and, and roshino who co-wrote the song with us and even john was like you know you can use your voice in a different way like you mm. don't need to write a typical verse like so he was like why don't you do an octave higher do the verse an octave higher and uh, like, because initially I had, yeah. I had written head down, I got mine. And he was like, why don't you just do that on Octave Higher? It's something different. You just have four albums, you can do that. You know, you can five try. Albums. Uh, five <laughs> albums, yeah. You know, you can push the boat out and just try it. It could be cool. And, I, and so things like that, we were definitely just trying little things. And even like the vocals, say, for Cold, you know, when we were talking about yeah. the harmonies and how that came together and the halftime drums in the chorus and all that sort of stuff, we were not going we need to write singles as such no, you no. know what I mean we were like okay let's try something that sort of sounds cool and we like you know Yeah, I, mean, I think with George as well um, a lot of time with the producers we've worked with in the past have um, have had their vision and they're like this is we'd say oh let's try this and they're like no we're right. going to do this because this is how I want it to sound yeah. even though we're it's our song your song yeah but with George he was so open to trying everything he'd be like let's try this and you'd be like yeah great idea let's try this let's try that let's try that and some of it worked some of it stuck some of it didn't but he was very open minded 100%, that. 100%. That, that, that has made, to make a difference try a lot more stuff yeah. in the studio as well and that's probably then why we do end up with sounds on this record that are, are a little bit more experimental than, than we've gotten before because you've got that freedom 100% yeah. and even a song like LA at Night at the end you know on the face of it it's a simple straight up ballad piano and vocals and in fairness to the lads like they were like we don't want to get in the way of that mm. you know but at the same time we want to just push the production boundaries a little bit and not deal with it like not make another give me a minute or another ballad that we had done before that was a sim we could have just played it safe and done yeah. the exact same yeah. type of arrangement and production and again with George he was into doing little clicks and electric drums working with Connor on, on, on different percussion patterns and, and different sort of you know rattles and sounds that happened in the background and, and they were the little things that, that led it differently and even at that as Noxie says we'd be like we try this and yeah we try it and playing all sorts of instruments like remember I was playing that what's that keyboard called that I loved with the cellos oh, and all uh, that stuff the Mellotron Mellotron yeah mm. and it was great fun and we'd be just 
try a bit of Meltron yeah why not, why and, not? Uh, yeah. and like eventually and it didn't work in every song but sometimes it worked lovely like you know so uh, it, w- it was cool and uh, as Noxie yeah, said to George by the end of Daniel's like oh yeah I'm going to buy one of these big time <laughs> how much are they and George's like 15 grand yeah, yeah. yeah. Daniel, get, get, get the plug in version yeah exactly yeah. Um, okay well it's funny like everything you've just said there is, is are, these are notes I've made on every track and funny one of the first things I said was the opening to the record because this is the first when you listen to okay we've heard songs from the record Find the Water being the first thing but when you sit down and listen to this as an album the first thing you hear is the opening to True Love Waits. And like I had written words like warm, mature, like there's stuff about this opening 30 seconds that it really sets up the rest of the record. I think. Let's have a listen to the very opening of the record. So many questions about that. <laughs> but how? I haven't listened to it in ages. Yeah, that must mean like how? Like it, it is. It's a really warm. It's a really like soft but beautiful piece of music. And then in the background, there's there's stuff happening. There's voices. There's that's me talking. Yeah, I was going to say there's definitely Danny talking. To you. Absolute rhubarb. Yeah, yeah. You can hear this, and, and you know what? Just, just love the sound of his voice. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I think I'm saying. I'm saying stuff like that. And then she said, and I was like that. And then I didn't know what to say. And I was trying to ra- say random lines that didn't really mean anything, but sort of were in the mood of the lyrics. And it was so funny because that that is kept from the original demo. That talking is on the very original demo that I did when I when I first was writing a song with Keen. Uh, Keen McSweeney from True Tides down around Mines and he had that amazing sound and warm synth as well and that was one of the things that gave you said it early on about George having comments on our demos and the, and I was so afraid that he was going to be like yeah the synth is cool but we can do something mm. different and literally one of the first things he said about that he goes that synth sounds amazing we're going to use that as is Brilliant. and I was just like oh that's a relief because like, it I, reminds me of a John Hughes film I was like, done. You're, yeah, you're, you're hired. Exactly. <laughs> Your references are perfect. Yeah. But straight away, it was like, okay. Because of, as Noxie said, we'd often work with different producers who were like, oh yeah, that sounds great, but we can do our own thing. Yeah. You know, we can yeah. make that better. Make better yeah. and, and that's sort of almost like an ego thing. But George was like, there's a magic in that synth. And, that, and literally the demo was the same synth. And uh, fair play to Keane, he sort of was messing around with it. And I sort of added the acoustic guitars. And, but the synth was, was the magic and the warmth, as you say, at the start. And as I say, he was there doing it. And I was like, open up the mic there. I'm going to put some talking over this intro. And he was looking at me going, what? And I've never done anything yeah, like that yeah, before. Yeah. Like, but it, And I was like, if it's quiet enough, it'll be okay. Like, but know? that's the thing, because it, there's a subtlety to it. Like, I, you, it's, it's unclear what you're saying. Like, yeah. You can't he- hear what the words are. But you know it's, it's so definitely funny. it's English, but I'm not <laughs> but, sure what's going on. And it ha- comes up again at the end, it and does, then even yeah. the very end of the album, that was an- another way we'd like to cap it off. And Noxie mentioned this when we when we were he always heard True Love Waits as the opening track, yeah. and from the very early stage, even before we recorded, he heard LA at Night as the closer. The closer, right? And 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 at the end of LA at Night, there's a bit of yeah, okay, or something that, yeah. off, that hung on one of the takes, so it sort of bookends it a little bit. Okay. But uh, it was funny with the talking because at, at times when when we went into the studio, then George took the demos from our demo and like soloed the talking track and he said he was laughing his head off oh, he was listening to so. it by himself because it's just me just going well, and I was like yeah and I, but I don't know and it, you know I think and then in the breakdown bit of it later it's like 
I'm fully sort of going you know what's important and I sort of got into it a bit and it yeah. was almost like weird even though again you can't really hear it it doesn't matter what I'm saying I was delivering it like it was like a poem like I was sort of trying to get into the vibe well, of the that's song actually, that's the next bit of the song I want to play to everybody because there's a bit of that in the middle eight there's, it breaks down it's quiet and then this guitar comes in this jangly massive corded guitar comes in the, the playing is superb it just it, but it elevates the track so much let's have a listen to that yeah. again like it's just it's there's so much about that that epitomizes this whole record about that opening track like and that to me is one of the things that kind of that build like there's so many songs in this that build and build and build and it, it's it's incredible but even when we were playing last week remember in studio and we were like how good would this be playing it live yeah. and i'll tell you what that jingy jingy jing that's going to go on for yeah. loops and yeah. loops and oh, loops yeah. until egan comes yeah. in like, you know that's going to keep on. them waiting yeah yeah um let's move on to the next track which is called never ending brackets on your side close brackets um something about this song makes me think it could have been on the first record i don't know what it is there's an energy to it or something uh and uh, maybe i don't know like ian might be your drums like the the, the drum beat there's something about it that just leaps out and i go i was straight away i was like oh corona classic coronas you know what i mean (laughs) it's funny you say that yeah, well, I think those so- uh, Never Ending was in the first batch of songs we did with nice. Rob Kerwin and, in LA, yeah. And that whole process was actually quite natural and organic. Like, there was no, like, real electronic stuff as well. So that probably brought us back to maybe the first record, you know? Initially, when we sort of were looking at working on this album, when D- before Dave had told us that he wasn't happy, and uh, th- there was only the two songs that made it from that recording session was LA, uh, or, sorry, was... Uh, Find the Water. Find and the Water and, and Never Ending. And... When we sort of approached it with Rob, we were more thinking of a bit of a throwback of, you know, old Coronas live, the four of us in a room, no big mad bells and whistles, yeah. just the four of us rocking it out. And that was sort of the approach, and, and Rob's approach in general. He's very much get a live take, get a live take, you know. Yeah, I think we just did that three takes of that song, and then he just picked one, and then we built on top of it. So it yeah. wasn't okay. very much of a live. So, so that was his yeah. angle, and at the time, that was where we were going with it. And then, of course, when when Dave then told us he was leaving, and just with the batch of songs we had, that was sort of turning its head, and we then sort of approached the album slightly differently. But um, yeah, that was probably one of the early songs in the album. And then you talk about building on it because you did because there's horns on this that come in that sound so amazing. And you guys have embraced a horn section. And your live stuff of yeah, late, yeah. and they've appeared on a couple of tracks. But this is to me is one of the ones where it sits so perfectly. Yeah, yeah that was um, is Todd Simon, was it? Todd That's Simon, yeah. yeah. So literally, like in LA in the Hollywood Hills, yeah. And uh, we're like, we we need horns, and then within half an hour, we had this amazing trumpeter, <laughs> trumpeter rock up. He was Macy Gray, a musical oh, director. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's as Hollywood so as it gets, yeah. in fairness. And it was so cool because he came down and he was like, what do you want? And I was trying to sort of sing lines to him, like, yeah. and Rob as well. Like, Rob's an amazing producer, big man United fan like yourself. Man, but uh, he, like, he wouldn't be mad, like, musical, yeah. technical. He'd be just like, try a few things or whatever. And so I was sort of singing, like, notes to, to this. And Todd Simon was like, 
who are these guys? <laughs> like, I, I might work with amateurs. So like, that's what I was going through in my head anyway. But he was really cool and he loved it. And he loved Find the Water as well. He was like, I love that song, man, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's cool. an interesting ingredient to add at this point. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 it does that because there's so much stuff that we get onto. There, there's a lot of programming, there's a lot of, you know, soundscapes. Yeah. And then there's horns. Like, they're, they're the most kind of. You know they've been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, and you yeah. go put that on, and it and works they, as and well. They, and they hit you straight on yeah, horns, like yeah. you know, we, as you talk about, we can have synths and ambient stuff, and and you know, swelling guitars and stuff, and that's all the stuff that Lara brought, brought to the table when he did some of his ambient stuff. It blew our minds, you mm. know, for a couple of songs in particular. This is Lara Kay from All yeah. Twins, yeah, yeah Lara Kay, who who played on a lot of the album, but. Uh, but yeah, that with that there was something about trumpets. Everything breaks down that song, and it just hits you in the face, and it's just straight up old school brass. Like you know. um, we'll move on to last in the thick of it, which is a duet with Gabrielle Applin. Now, what I love about this, I love loads of things about it, but what I love about this is it. It's a duet, and, and duets traditionally have been you sing, I sing the verse, and then you're going to sing the second verse back to me. I'm going to state my how why my heart's broken, and you're going to say, well, your heart's broken, whatever. Yeah. And straight away, you just go, well, we're both singing this. We're literally, we're both singing everything. So it, it, it just immediately hits you. It's like, this is something you don't hear very often. You yeah. certainly don't hear it often enough. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, but what I do want to talk about in this song as well is the demo. Because I'm lucky enough that every now and again, Danny might send me something to go, have a listen to this, what do you think, whatever. But you sent me this demo and it was weird. Like, as in a strange sound and the piano was very playful in it. Now, when I hear the track, and we're, we're going to listen to both of them side by side now, you've, you've taken that, but you've used it in different places and so on. So, look, so this is the original demo with the playful piano, as I call it. finished version that's not in it but then when you get past the first verse it comes in as a hum and there's the same kind of movement and then the playfulness comes back in but in a much more polished and produced way and like that that to me that you know staying true to what you guys wrote together because uh, it was you Gabrielle and uh, it was Alfie, Alfie from Holtz yeah. Taylor yeah uh, that like then you've improved the song but you're still reflecting back what, what happened at that early stage yeah and I think again that's the amazing thing about Noxie and Connor as well is when they when I send them a little demo like that literally that one that was written in an afternoon in Brighton the three of us just messing around with just a keyboard and Alfie put in some fake drums and the lads could see the magic in the demo as well and they weren't going we need to turn this upside down we need to start again and as you can sort of tell... We didn't want to get in the way of the song. Yeah, well, I think uh, the, uh, the older we get, the often we get a bit like that, you know, which is a good thing where you hear, you know there's some magic there and it's important not to, uh, even for me as a singer, not to go and over-sing it. Again, mm. just get out of the way of the song, like, you know. And there was a, a, a sort of relaxed delivery to that to those vocals that I really tried to keep in, in, the, in the real thing. Yeah. And the do-to-dos and stuff, that was in the demo and we were like, Does that, is that going to be a lyric? Like, and I was like, no, keep the it's random do to do. It's just a little moment. And, you know, I, I was referencing in my head, uh, like the Juno soundtrack, you know, mm -hmm. that movie where they have the simple quirky songs and, and uh, Martha Wainwright and, and Snow Patrol have a duet called Set the Fires at the Third Bar, which I always loved. And like that, they didn't 
outsing each other. It yeah. wasn't like that sort of duet. They were just side by side, you know. Can we talk about collaborative collaborative writing? Because like you know, like you guys can write your own songs. There's no you know, there's no need to go out and, and, and collaborate with people. But by doing that, you're enriching definitely what you have. You talked about Keen from True Tide, someone you wrote you wrote with. Um, there's a lot of production decisions given you know, room to other people to do that and then you have something like this that you sit down and write is that something that you've always been open to you've always done or is this, so this, is this a new chapter it's, it's sort of new years, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, in the, we've gotten better at it as we've gone but initially in the early days I used to if I got a good idea I'd be like there's a little something in that hook I'll go and finish the song and, I'll, and that's, that's natural you want to go oh that's cool I'm going to finish it and write a verse around it and write a chorus or whatever but in recent years, I realized that oftentimes it was better if I got a really good idea to hold on to it, even if it was just a line or a little piano hook like that song, and, uh, and bring it to other people who I knew, talented people, to take it in a different direction. So like, that's part of our, I think, evolving as writers and as a band, is you know, oftentimes you're, you're drawn back into the same sort of safe sort of things that have worked for you in the past. but. With, with this album in particular, especially when, D- when Dave said he was going to step aside, instead of taking the burden of writing more of it ourselves, we were like, let's work with different people, let's write with different people. Let's open up the band. Yeah. Because yeah, we use it as an opportunity rather than some kind of a weakness. It was exactly, like, yeah. now we can step into new territories just, just by virtue of the fact that something, something uh, one of the pillars has changed, you know? Exactly, exactly. Well, um, let's talk about, I think we jinxed it. And I, I was, I'm humming and hawing whether to say this, right? I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to say <laughs> This chorus is a Eurovision song. <laughs> and I mean that in the best possible way. <laughs> You're holding your head Oh, now. God. No, no, but I, what I mean by that is, is that like, because we're going to listen to it now. I'm going to hit the chorus now and people will hear what I'm talking about. Um, there's an energy to a Eurovision song. Yes, they're cheesy. Yes, they're all those things. But they, think about it. They have three minutes to get like the biggest idea they've ever had in their lives across and there's something about when this verse goes into this chorus and I was just like okay hang on a sec listen so let them say we're just lost cause I don't wanna go I don't wanna grow yeah I think I'm done competing and if it's best to win at all costs tell there's so much emotion involved in that Danny and I know me saying the same that's like the Mellotron that's me playing the Mellotron <laughs> it sounds like an orchestra there but that's me on the Mellotron that amazing but you know <laughs> what I'm saying about that that like this is not this isn't a typical Corona's chorus to come out of where it comes from in this song in that yeah. verse to then leap it's the leap to this yeah. that is like okay like the energy just changes completely and that's again that's something new from you guys yeah. at this point in your career and I think again that that came from a that stemmed from a co-write with uh, Cormac Butler, so Cormac who produced uh, Academic and All Twins and Codaline and is brilliant, brilliant new producer doing amazing stuff. Um, but I was doing a writing session down with him and we were working on the verse for so long, the whole groove and the piano thing yeah. and if I was your saviour and plodding along for so long and we had no chorus. And when you build up a track like that, where you're just doing chorus or verse, 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 still working on it, working on the lyrics, working on what should happen in the groove, by the time I said, okay, now we need to work on a chorus, I was like, I want to just take it somewhere completely different. Yeah. I want to just yeah. take it into another 
world because I'm just so sick of working on this verse for so long, like, yeah. you know? So I, I just had a couple of chords and I was like, I'm just going to belt out something here. And it really came very quickly, the chorus. It was just like, and I, I could just see, you know, when you write with something, that's the other great thing about co-writing as well is because sometimes you write something and you're like I'm not sure about that like, yeah. or sometimes you think it's great and it's not the, the other side of it can happen where you go wait the lads hear this and they're just like mm, no <laughs> but uh, but when you're writing with someone so I was like tried a few chords and belted out the chorus and I could just see Cormac going yes that's okay. where it's going yeah. that's it like you know um, so that was that was a, a fun one to write um, and yeah sure what's wrong with having a Eurovision absolutely yeah. <laughs> um, in there as well the, the middle eight of the, later in the song it, it, it gets like so beyond big like are there are there discussions among you guys about like you know the things could literally be too big sonically yeah, no <laughs> um, no with that song Crad has to go to Lara as well um, so we were hemming and hawing about that song for quite some time okay we didn't know what it was going to be. It was like, let's just have it as a little, almost like Lost in Thick of It, just, just a little ditty, like, like just a nice song. Yeah. And then um, we were like, we need some amb- ambient guitars in this. And uh, we sent it to Lara, who was in Dublin. We were in London at the time. And uh, he sent us back a phone recording and we gave it to George and we put it up on the PA in the studio. And we were all just taken aback. You want to hear it? Like, it was it just was absolutely right. ridiculous. Yeah. Amazing. And that changed the whole direction of the song. And straight away... And straight we're, away, we're like, get on a plane. You're coming over here. Because <laughs> yeah, there's the descending guitar line in, in that. There's actually a couple of lines, but there's one particular one that just is just... It adds so much yeah. to that. Yeah. 100%. And, and like, it, as you say, we knew it had to end up somewhere. And we had been... We wrote the song pretty much the three of us and with, with Cormac and we knew okay when it gets to that bit it's going to need something yeah, yeah. and we sort of kept sort of putting that off like and then like as Noxy said it was probably the first thing we sent to Lara and I'll never forget when I sent it back like like hairs in the back of my neck type you know and it was just like yeah. it was it more was, of a how does he do that <laughs> <laughs> like you could have taken everything off that track that we had done and just released <laughs> Guitar. His guitars and Daddy's vocal, and that's still probably would have been better. <laughs> Maybe there's a remix album. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, Haunted is the next track. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot about this, but I know Danny. There's something about this lyrically that people, you know, you want. Well, I don't know whether you want to reveal, but I'm going to make you reveal this. But the Haunted isn't because there's 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 ghostly elements to the sound of this song and <laughs> yeah. it, it all ties in very nicely but that's not what this haunted means no in in west kerry where, where i spent a lot of time they they say haunted for for lucky and i i've heard it a lot in the west but so there's you know if you're out for a walk and the weather's really nice and but the forecast was really bad it's oh, oh we were haunted like we got great weather <laughs> and so it it's actually i always thought that was interesting i remember at the time going what what are you talking about haunted <laughs> Like and they were like, yeah, we were haunted. And I go, but surely that's like a negative. negative yeah. It sounds like a bad thing. Like no, and none of them could explain to me where it came from. I still don't know what why they use it, but it's one of those things. And another friend of mine from from Dingle as well, Brandy Walsh, used to always say when he was drunk, I was upside down. I was upside down, and that was another one that I robbed. So it was sort of I, I was writing it down there when I was working on the lyrics or whatever. And uh, yeah, so I had Brandy and, and Dingle in mind when I was writing about that. It's sort of, you know, again, sort of a lot of my lyrics in the last few years, I suppose, the last couple of albums have been sort of self-improvement, trying to give yourself a pat in the back and, you know, you know, 
it's and, and trying to be able to say to yourself you're doing all right like you well know? interestingly because you do sing in this song you say there's a line that says you tell me i sing things i'm afraid to say yeah which is a beautiful lyric but is that an accusation that has been leveled at you i mean is that something that that danny doesn't i think i'm i'm actually accusing myself of it okay you know it's more i don't think I, i'm not sure if anyone ever, ever ever said it to me but it's definitely something that you know, because people are always, geez, you're very honest, those lyrics yeah, are very honest, yeah. and you have your heart in your sleeve there, you're not really like that in real life, like, okay. you know, and I'm trying to be more like that in real life, to be honest, yeah. and you remember we had a, we had an interview the other day on Zoom, and it was just myself and Noxie, and she said to us, what is it you like about Graham? And I was like, oh God, that's a tough question to answer, with him on the Zoom, remember? <laughs> And? And, I, and I was like, well, and the, but, but by the end of it, I was like, I'm really glad she asked that question. I was talking for about five minutes. And oh, I was like, couldn't shut him up. Yeah. I was like, Noxie, I love you. You know what I mean? And it, it sort of reminded me, it made me think about that. Go, God, I've no, I've no problem singing about yeah. any relationship that's going on in my life. But sometimes I don't tell people. You I know? don't think you're alone being guilty of that. I think yeah. that's a pretty standard Irish male thing, in yeah, fairness. Exactly. But yeah, he's given, being given those opportunities to express yourself, maybe, exactly. is, is a rarity. Um, cold. Cold is a song people have heard, but it is incredible. It's one of my favorites on the record, I have to say. And the opening is ridiculous. It, it, the harmonies, I'm hearing Doobie Brothers, Yacht Rock. Like, I'm hearing all of those sounds. Like, when you sit down, is that something you, you know straight away that this is going to be a massive harmonized chorus thing or whatever? Or, or is that something that just develops in the studio? I think I knew it was going to have harmonies at some stage in my head anyway. I don't know what the lads saw. And it was really George who had the the idea of going full on chordal with it and making yeah. it really big, you know. And and we lo- loved it straight away, like you know. I think the original demo I just did like a three three part harmony, and it was more sort of sweet, nearly. Yeah. And 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 then George is like, let's make it big and wide and chordal, as I say. And some of the harmonies aren't following the melody; they're sort of just picking one lines and making it sound like a, a chord and. It's sort of, I think, influenced by, you know, Bonnie Iver and uh, James Jones McMorrow, yeah. another great example who would use a lot of that sort of stuff. And it just sort of worked. But I remember working on it and sort of trying to find where does it go from here? Because like, it's an unusual arrangement. It, it starts is. with the chorus. Like, yeah. And then it goes into a verse and a pre-chorus. Dancing Queen. Yeah, like Dancing <laughs> Queen. Back to the Eurovision. <laughs> well, actually, Noxy, isn't it true that in this song, there's the, the whole ending, the whole kind of uh, turn in the song is down to you? Uh, well, no. <laughs> it is, 100%. It is, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it is, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about it. We will listen to it now in a second, but like, just w- when, when you've had a, you know, the parts of the song you've had already, what were you hearing? Why were you looking for this extra gear to I go to? I don't know. We, we, like, all of us really liked the song. We always thought it was, there was something special in it. And um, like, it it's ne- quite it organic. To up somewhere, pro- yeah. It's quite organic, but it's also quite progressive as well mm. like we're all playing different rhythms really and it all just kind of fits in together um if you hear like if you took everything apart and listen to actual tracks of the song it doesn't really make sense okay. but together, together it does yeah and then at the end we we're just kind of like you needed an ending and i was actually it was ripped off a false song really you know? so <laughs> well we were walking along canal on the way to the studio and they have one on their new album and they double sped at the very end yeah and I was like, we should try that. And it makes sense because it goes to halftime in the course. In the course, yeah. So at yeah. the outro, if we double it, double it again. So well, let's have a good listen to it because it, it, this is so effective. Yeah. 
there's so much about that that like it seems so obvious yeah of course you double time but no someone has to have that brainwave and go no let's let's try this and i think foals are getting undue praise there not in fairness there's a lot of a lot of people have tried it over the years but no but it really does work as you said especially the fact that you go into halftime of the course and then you're then flipping this completely on its head when you get mm, to the end. Yeah. Also, it's a baseline that I can't play, Nazi so <laughs> Screw you. Nice. I love that you've tried. Oh, I've <laughs> tried. I've tried them all. Yeah, well, no, there's so. a few of them I'm happy with, but no, I get called, I go, next. Not, I'll get to that one at another point. Um, okay, so let's talk about Brave. Um, the, the whole intro to this, the whole start of this song is not the Coronas. Like, or, I mean, it doesn't sound like what I expect to hear when I just sit down and do a Coronas song. Um, but it obviously really works. So I think before we talk about it, let's just listen to it so people can kind of have an idea when we do talk about it then. I heard that you might be discreet From every dog in the street Show them your worst and they'll take it in turns Write it down all the days of the week Now that we've something to lose You know I need to improve Take a step back, you know I wanted that Rush to tell you that I'm still a fool And it's all in days It's all in the right Those drums, even those drums, seriously Okay, so let's talk about this whole thing Because that is a soundscape On top of which Danny is singing It's not a a bounce of sound and goes Yeah, you know what we're going to do here None of the things we have the technology to do Because we've got bass, drums and guitar So how does that come about? Well, that's a song that we were working on. We probably wrote, probably one of the first songs we yeah. wrote for them. Originally, it was very much a 3-4. Um, waltz. Acu- yeah, I mean. waltz, acoustic. I love how you guys Basically always drums. get one of those in. Yeah, you, you it do. was a Dreaming Again. Yeah. Yeah. Dreaming Again. It was literally it like... A, my fault kind yeah, of style. Like. Yeah, Dreaming Again is, is a big one. And I was like... It, I remember initially being, is it like too Dreaming Again? Mm. Like, because it was proper waltz. And you don't actually feel that rhythm until the chorus drops, I think. Now, and again, right up until the 11th hour we were struggling with that song and to be honest it was it was one of the songs that I not that I didn't like it I loved it but I, I just didn't think it fit, fitted in this is before we yeah, came before this, this. this soundscape because yeah. we were just jangling out an acoustic that was I heard that she might be discreet yeah. and it was <laughs> sorry, like I'm sorry to interrupt that is the best lyric on the record by the way <laughs> yeah, nice. you might be discreet I heard that from all the talks that's yeah. just genius yeah well <laughs> no, it really is one of them I'm not sure makes sense but oh, in my head it makes no, sense I loved it. but uh but yeah, so we were just, and it was just, it was a cool song, and, and like, and then Lar came over to, to put down some ambient guitars on everything else, and he, it was so funny because we were like, you know, the verse of this song needs something, like, and and he stayed with us, and he got up at like six in the morning the day we went to the studio. Yeah, Lar, Lar doesn't need to sleep, right. turns out. Sleep what, is for the week. What are those guys? <laughs> right, okay. He gets up every morning at six in the morning, like, and he and like, and he just starts work. And he's his work ethic was was pretty amazing and mm. sort of inspiring as well. But he was like, "What about this? If we just do this little soundscape thing?" And he was just thinking for it as an intro. Yeah, like this could be just a little intro. And I was like, "That's amazing. Let's just throw out the acoustic guitar, throw out the bass, bring in the drums in the in the pre-chorus, yeah. and like, and in fairness, George was as well. All of us were like, 100 percent. That's exactly what but, it needs." But the temptation as well in that situation would be to bring in. Egan's Coronas type drums like even the drums as I said yeah. the, the sound out of those drums when you come in the, the positioning in the mix the where the toms are the, the fact that the snare's got no rattle like there's so much going on there that you go 
okay, well, like this is just everything is elevating something else. Do you know and what I mean? Funny enough, we spent a bit of time on that, didn't we? Yeah, because initially the drums were in from the very start, I think, were they? Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, it was kind of just went quite linear then with the drums for the whole thing. Yeah. Like, you know? And then when Laura had that Sandscape theme, we had all that, everything was changed. It was like, so just take the drums out. They're gone. Take them out. And then we just kind of just gradually brought them in with that kind of. They're in the room next door. Kind yeah, of thing. that's like, exactly yeah. what it says. Underwater sort of a yeah. way and, and but creeping up on you. like. There's that. a massive build in that song as well. And, and again, drawn analogies to things that I just have references to. But in a lot of ways, the, towards the end of that song, it reminds me of, a, of Sting. And I mean Sting by as in his, you know, he has got the best musicians in the world making incredible musical decisions. But that the end of that song to me is like, everything is, everything is perfect. There's nothing in the end of that song that is like, extra or out of place or whatever it's just it's a it's a microcosm of perfection that oh, thank that. you very much that is some confidence <laughs> well, we'll keep that one in yeah. Yeah. we can use that for the for the banner now when we put this on instagram and we have 10 seconds um the next one we're talking about is heat of the moment which is a co-write with as you mentioned before one of the young irish bands yeah. that are doing big things it's ryan and jimmy from picture this yeah so how does something like that come about well, I know the lads, they've, they supported us when they weren't way bigger than us. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they're lovely lads, really good. And they've always been, like, sort of supportive of us. And, and like, uh, like, they're the first people to text me when we release a new song, saying, I love that new song. And, like, no, it's a really nice thing for them to do, like, you know. And uh, But we've always stayed in touch. We're really pretty close, like, you know. I, I consider them mates for sure. And we were like, let's do a writing session. I went down to a tie where they're from, into, into Jimmy's gaff, and the two of them were there. And it was just a real simple, happy song. And I loved it from the early days. It's sort of positive. It's sort of like that, about that initial stages of a relationship. And I remember, I think I might have said to them when I was going down there, going, we need a few upbeat songs. You know, we've got a few, a few mellow builders. Like, we need something that's punchy and goes from the start. And, um, Again, Jimmy had the string sort of pattern that, that still is ended up on the song. And again, we flew that in sort of towards the end. And again, George was up for putting in stuff from the demo. And, you know, uh, and it, yeah, it was one of them that came together. We What do we call it? It's our... Uh, oh, Richard Curtis. Yeah, <laughs> Richard Curtis. It would fit perfectly into yeah. Love Actually or one but of those yeah. movies. Yeah. yeah. So it's our sort of our, our, yeah, our poppy happy moment on the album, you know. But also like it's a compliment to, to you and to the, the lads when you're writing that it, there's nothing in it that doesn't sound like Corona. There's nothing in it that sounds like Picture This. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the only thing that I picked out, there isn't necessarily Picture This but was a little bit different for you guys is some of the meters. Yeah. So li- lyrically some yeah. of the vocals sit we don't have to say it now we're not anything. Yeah. I don't know if that's a traditional Danny from the Coronas way of delivering that, but that the way that sits, and in fact, I think in the chorus, the meter of the of the vocals are is a little bit different. Definitely, you know, and that's well well spotted because even now, sometimes when we're when we played it live last week for the first time, and I was I really had to concentrate. It's like because that's not where naturally I would have went. Yeah. Like you know what I'd have been only been used to singing it without playing it, and when I was playing the piano as well. I was going, oh yeah, the first line starts on that offbeat or whatever it is, yeah, or yeah. or the way it, it was definitely Ryan had that hook in the second chorus where it goes, uh, maybe it's love, maybe, I don't know, what is it? Uh, but I can work it out, yeah. instead of, whereas the first time it goes, but I can work it out, and that was my one, but then he was like, but the second time you gotta change it and do, but I can work it, and I was like, yes, that's a yeah. hook in itself, like an extra little hook, you know? So it, it that's, I think, a, another good really part of 
of working with with other people is you, you know it takes you to places that you wouldn't go yourself. You know? And huge harmonies as well. I mean Fleetwood Mac type stuff. I mean live, this is going to be difficult to replicate. All of these massive harmonies. Yeah, I know that's going to be tough. <laughs> Definitely, but I mean even last week we d- we I thought we did a good job of it. Like you know we sort of you know I don't know we're, I suppose our band's getting bigger now as well and yeah. we, we have backing vocalists now when we play all the time yeah. so we did a stu- big studio recording of it last uh, last week so and Roisin my sister was was doing some amazing harmonies and she actually helped me with some of the lyrics on, on that song okay. after I finished writing with Ryan and Jimmy I brought it to Roisin just to, just to polish off a couple of little lines here and there and and you know Roshan's a great sounding board for me as well sometimes I'll go to a song with her and, and she'll give it to me honestly like so I was like is this line okay and she was like yes is this line and she's like no change that one <laughs> here change we go that word. do some work yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned Find the Water earlier on you mentioned the falsetto vocal yeah. we're going to hit that in a second just for people to hear it again and kind of hear you maybe out of your comfort zone if that's a, if that's yeah. a fair thing but why was Find the Water the first thing you wanted all of us to hear from this this new record why, why was that something that because you you know you've got 12 I'm sure you had more yeah. songs you know at that point that could have been the one to, but why was that one I think it was coolest yeah <laughs> it was different and we only had four of them but <laughs> <laughs> it was one of four so yeah. we did a single for the summer so. I think it was a good excuse to do, uh, release Find the Water when we did because it was something different because the album wasn't finished yet yeah so it was kind of this like well the album's not going to be out for another year at least so this is a chance to try something different if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't we're not promoting the album with us sure so it could even be a standalone single we didn't know at the time so we're like we'll put it out and see what happens and it got a great reaction it so. did because I think like that, that thing like something as simple as someone saying to you sing sing it up like John Bro saying sing it up an octave try it like let's listen like it, like, it, it, it does make you sit up and go oh hang on like this is different than we're used to head down I got mine I'm sweet talking all the time Because you would totally have just been, just my, you would, that's where you would have sung that. 100%, yeah, absolutely. And it was, it was sort of one of those things as well where we, I think we, we tend to do it with the first singles of each album. I remember, we, I think All the Others was a single from The Long Way that mm. was a little bit different. Mm. At the time, yeah. And uh, with Trust the Wires, We Couldn't Fake It was a little bit different for us as well. And we always like to come back, the first song back with something, let's just throw something out there that makes people go, all right. You know, and it's mad because the amount of texts I got after we released that song from friends of mine who go, like, really surprised tone. Oh, I actually like that song. I actually really (laughs) like that song. And it's, I didn't know whether to take it as a compliment or, oh, they hated everything else we've ever done, but they really liked that song. Finally. Yeah, Yeah. there was a lot of that. But, like, it's cool, you know, because, as I said, we we are getting, you know, evolving as a band and, and it's nice to surprise people. Yeah, you know? and then there, there, like, there's there's clean guitar sections, instrumental sections with synths and stuff that mm. now all makes sense, you know, in, in, in this kind of, in the whole record. Yeah. But then it was, it was pretty kind of, it was pretty different. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I still, I still really proud of that song. It's great fun to play live as well. Oh, yeah. n- another thing to make me miss gigging here. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, the gigging bit is tough, all right. <laughs> um, Need Your Presence um, kicks off with pretty programmed drums. So, Ian, are you involved in that, in that? Or is that just a producer going, this is how the drums are going to be? Well, no, sometimes uh, in, you know, writing sessions at Dingle or wherever we are, um, we have a rolling pad, like the electric pad, and uh, 
I think just sometimes it needs a break from the acoustic yeah. drums in a room and we just I'll just try the electric drums for a second it just kind of gives a different vibe completely to the song you know mm. so I mean that pretty much is what I was playing when we were writing the song but sometimes it changes a little bit like you know you might add a few little extra little clicks or whatever right okay but but it is you like it is a rhythmic rhythmical decision it's, it's yeah, like because yeah, yeah. you're going to have to replicate that all, yeah, yeah, all, yeah. all the way through then yeah. yeah and even the sounds and stuff I don't think it changed too much from no, the demo yeah, pretty much like same, you yeah. know Connor has some really cool sounds that he uses like similarly on probably We Couldn't Fake It on mm. the last album and we have a couple of sounds we really like I think we just changed a bit of the reverbs and a bit of the sort of effects on the sounds but from the very early demo that, that felt right for that song that groove like the way I got this record delivered to me digitally right was on a website where it was really glitchy and it wouldn't let me fast forward songs and it wouldn't let me kind of shuffle play i just had to listen to this the way we used to listen to records <laughs> that you would get in my day it was vinyl but i'm sure you guys remember tapes and cds but you would literally get a record and you would put it on you hit play and you'd wait for it to finish it so that's how i've experienced this over the whole the whole time i've listened to it and need your presence works so well in the scheme of this record like it's positioning it's track number is so important in this record whereas you know do you, do you guys think about things like that when now people listen on shuffle on spotify or wherever and they're oh they're hearing oh like it goes from we couldn't fake it into all the others into one of the new tracks like whereas i'm listening to this in the traditional way and i'm like oh this is exactly what you need at this point in the record so yeah, true Un unbelievable that you're saying that because literally when the album was finished and we were recording uh, or we were working on the, the track listing we that was the main conversation was going does this song stand up by itself or and but and i think it was noxie it was really fighting for it and initially i was one that was like i'm not sure if it's right for the album or whatever just is it is it you know if people listen to songs one at a time is it really instant you know and noxie was fighting for it because it, it does such a job on that album and i and i and i'm totally agree with you it is it is so important for mm. the album you know it's a change of pace it's a, just a different setting and it just totally fits wasn't it and what was it like it was even just the sound of it like yeah. it doesn't have loads of guitars no. there's no guitars on it I don't think apart from yeah, just it's the like the, the water carrier it's your defensive midfielder just doing a job <laughs> but, what, but what a job <laughs> what a job though yeah. um, and then another bass masterclass from you not seeing that one <laughs> yes absolutely um, the harmony bass lines oh, are amazing yeah. ludicrous uh, light me up then you know again massive chorus again like you're, you go straight back into you know what we're what we're here for you like hitch in the face with another chorus and then there's really interesting production decisions on this as well yeah it's a, yeah it was one of them that um i'm trying to think that it changed much from the demo i think we got more gospely with the with mm. the with the vocals but keen was was big into that as well and even from the demo his vocals were did a lot of the backing vocals i wrote this with came soon as well initially and so we wanted to get them over. We, we didn't want 20 Dannys on it. Like no. we just didn't think that, that would work as, as the back and vocal group, like the choir. So we got, we got uh, Keane doing a good bit and there's probably him ringing in the background as well. He got, Make sure you're talking about me. Yeah, um, we should say we're in, we're in the Corona's HQ here in the middle of Dublin City. So you probably are hearing things like car alarms and yeah. ambulances going past and stuff, but that's, it's, a, it's a busy working office, you know? Yeah, well, it's not that busy. That's the first phone call we've had all day. So that'll tell you where we're at in the business world. <laughs> this is our record company. No one's calling. Let's listen to how big the chorus is and everything that goes around with the chorus of this song. This light me up. But I'm feeling kind of strange, can I get a reaction? Give me something I can say, and if I could just find it, 
so much going on there harmony wise like they, that is a huge undertaking to, to yeah. get that to work yeah you want to hear them record it it was just a whole day of just different levels it was just like yeah. you could just sit in there kind of going and Ke- Keen is amazing at that and you can tell it from Survive their, their song yeah. you know the True Tide song because the way he would sing it in different ways the same note like so it almost sounds like a different voice different person singing it, so yeah. he would one time sort of sing from the side of his mouth with a certain tone and then another time he'd sing it out like he's you know trying to scream it and another time he'd do falsetto on sort of the other side of his mouth and it sounds like three different people singing it and it was cool it was cool to watch him work because he's really good yeah that's a, that's a, um, something that Max Martin who would have produced all Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and Britney back in 2000 would famously do that that he would have they always picked one of the members of the band to be the, the voice of the thing, but yeah. they would do like 50 takes, mm. 50 takes on the left, 50 takes on the right, yeah. and same thing. They would make them sing it differently. So you still know that's the Backstreet Boys, but like whoever it is, Brian or Justin, is doing all of these different takes. Yeah. Sorry, not to I, I All my references believe, are boy bands. I was going to say, I can't believe it took 45 minutes for you to mention Backstreet Boys. So. <laughs> well, luckily we're at the end now. We're at the last song, so we'll get out of it. Um, okay, so you said, Noxy, that... You knew this was going to be the closer for the record, yeah. "L.A. at Night," um, and what, what, what I'll play for everybody in a minute is the last bit of the song. But let's talk about the fact that this song feels like nighttime. Like the production choices on this make it, they're sparse, but they're it, it it everything feels like it's nighttime. Yeah, like which is such a great way to end the record. Well, that's what Danny t- uh, took is, uh, gave the song to us, and uh, as he was saying, we didn't want to mess with it too much, but straight away, like "L.A. at Night." I was just imagined uh, Drive, the film Drive. Yeah. So I was like, we need to go since, get rid of the piano, since, uh, neon lights, vocoders. Yeah, ebos. Yeah, that stuff. I think that's where it got the direction from. But um, yeah, it's always just, it's a very organic but song as well. I literally have the word soundtrack written down here. That's exactly what it felt like yeah. is, is a song from a movie soundtrack. And one of the things I love about this as well is, is both of you guys, the rhythm section here, there's a temptation in this that you could easily like let the song build and build it's the last bit of the record and jump in with a boom you know but you don't like the restraint in this is part of the genius and let's listen to the the end of it now and i think you'll hear what i'm talking about that it could go so many other places but by not doing that that's what makes it what it is I'm listening to that I'm expecting yeah. the coronas to happen I'm expecting it to explode the confetti goes off and the yeah. balls fall out of the thing there. bang get it bang yeah. no well you're giving us ideas for live now. Okay, live, yeah, live, yeah. don't live again don't yeah. but like but no and in fairness what I'm trying I suppose what I'm trying to say is there's there's a subtlety there's a there's a maturity a decision making process that goes on here that could only happen now in your career this, this yeah. is this those decisions were not going to be made on the first or the fifth record. You know 100%. I mean? And it, like, it definitely, there was a conversation where we were like, should we go to a backbeat snare? Should it go dun, dun, tit, yeah. and, or, or take off in that way? 
And we sort of investigated, and as you say, it didn't sound wrong. It sounded maybe like earlier crones, but you're dead right. Like, there was definitely a conversation where it's like, no, what? This is just, let it take off in other ways. As Noxie says, let it get soundtracky, let it get epic in different ways. We don't have to bang it out, like, you know. And I'm literally just playing a couple of chords. Noxie's playing, and Egan has all the stuff going on, the toms, and there's interesting stuff going on, but it's not player loudest. You know what I mean? And and the, the power comes from all the other stuff around and the ambience sort of takes off while we're just still grooving along and that was something different for it that's that's a different approach than say give me a minute when we just started banging towards the end or someone else's hands where it just gets big and epic or whatever just kind of stumbles off a cliff exactly and even the last (laughs) chord it does indecisive at the very end yeah yeah, but but do you know what that's great is no but the fact that and there's a couple of records of uh, in the last couple of years that have done this Again, if you think about the traditional way you listen to a record before, by not resolving, by not being, you know, inverted commas, perfect, you just got to start again. Yeah. You've got to go, but like, the journey has to continue. So you go back to track one and go, right, let's, let's yeah. start with True Love Waits again, you know, and, and there's an addictive element to this that, you know, whether you're conscious of it or not, it, it really works as a track list from one to 12. Yeah. Um, that's great and I think another final thing to say on that line or is the line in the, at the end as well I think has sort of was a good way to finish it we were like it's going to be okay like, and it's such a simple thing and it's it, but now it, as well in this whole weirdness it's sort of a bit more poignancy like without getting too deep into well, no, it let, let's get deep in that for a second right because you guys are releasing this record without the ability to traditionally promote it so you can't have a launch you can't go on your promotional tour to get everybody excited about hearing these songs live. Um, you know you're being very inventive and there's an ice cream truck involved, but like that's, that's, <laughs> that's brilliant. But, but like what, what, is, what does it feel like as a band to be in the situation where you can't do the things that traditionally would bring this music to, to the masses? That's strange anyway. Yeah, the hardest thing for me is not having the payoff at the end of all this promo you know, you're right, we are promoting it different ways, but I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying being back, to being in a band again, because we've had four months or so where it felt like we couldn't really do that much, yeah. you know? Um, but the hardest thing is not having the payoff of having big gigs, because yeah. always the promo builds up to the album release, yeah, but also it builds up to big gigs, and you might have, you know, we might have a big three arena or Kamenum or Kilrudery House, yeah. it would have been this year, and a marquee, and you know, Galway Arts Festival, you know King John's Castle in Limerick uh, you know something up in Belfast and Custom House Square or something yeah. and all these gigs that are just and then Electric Picnic which we were hoping to play as well this year and like so not having those not being able to tour it is the hardest thing and that, to me I don't think it's hit me yet because we're so in, in the middle of the promo cycle but I think after the album comes out like a week after the album comes out not even a week <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> hours I think because yeah. normally the album would be a uh, the start of the cycle basically yeah and then you tour it for two years and then you go back into the studio and it's just it works organically and naturally but this is i think on monday the album's released on friday on monday we're done that's yeah. where that's us done for the year basically because mm. we try and build all the promo so until the release <laughs> and then you don't want to be annoying people there's no point in continuing to plug we'll have little sure. bits and bobs but yeah that'll be pretty much it so and that's when I think it'll hit us that, oh my God, we're not going to get to play this live. Well, but we will though, one day, of course. You know, whether it's next summer, you know, we can wait, you know, and, and in the meantime, we'll be working on the next one. And, and then even if it is a case where we have two albums to promote next time we're back, 
Imagine we have another podcast to do before we do another gig. I hope it won't get to that. <laughs> oh, surely to God. No, um, it can't. So hopefully they'll be back next summer and there'll be even more demand as ever for it. Well, as LA and I said, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Lads, <laughs> thanks so much for chatting. Best of luck with it. It is a superb record. I really hope people enjoy it as much as I did. And fair play to you. Thank Cheers. you so Thanks much. Thanks for your hero. Cheers. <laughs>